Shalom and thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Elect Life Podcast Edition with Liz McGee. We hope you enjoy the journey as Liz takes you through her mystical insights from ancient Jewish writings. You'll find more info on the website at theelectlife.org. So go check it out and make sure you have oil in your lamp for the coming of Mashiach. And now your host, Liz McGee. Shalom. Welcome back to another episode on the two houses of Israel. And what I'm going to do in this episode is I'm going to try to go through some of the main parabolic archetypes on the two houses that the prophets have used is all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Again, to prove my point that we are the people that are confused and have a misunderstood doctrine that our prophets did not. And once we clear this up and straighten this up, <laughs> I think that the highway home is going to get very straight and we are going to be able to run quite rapidly to the finish line. Let me just start again saying uh, the last video and each one is building. It's important to just, you know, start at the beginning of this new series. But the birthright blessing, very specific Hebrew words that are carrying forward and imparting to us very accurate though nuanced understanding. But Judah, uh, and this is what Paul says, he was a rabbi of the rabbis. He was a total Jewish, even though he's a Benjamite, Benjamite stayed with the house of Judah, basically. Uh, Hebrew of the Hebrews, he's saying, in covenant, never left uh, with Judah. Now, Judah, as he went, you know, has always retained this little remnant in the earth. This is such a miraculous story. This little remnant in all the earth has retained this, the covenant, the Torah, the birthright, the glory, the Shekinah was, the patriarchs, they had the temple. I mean, there's so much packed into the history of Judah. The tribes became lost technically, but what we're going to see at the end, they weren't lost at all <laughs> to Yahweh. And we have been doing a tremendous job of redemption in all the earth. Now, part of it is the spiritual strength because Judah had to endure. And for her brothers, this was the thing, to be a light to lead Ephraim home. If we didn't have Judah succeeding in their mission, our mission would have failed because we need the light that is in Torah to bring us home to what? To the divine presence. All right. This is our home. We are the Adamite seed that Yahweh created in Genesis on the sixth day that was told to rule, that we would rule and reign over all of the creation. All right. So this is where we're going back to. And it has been, in, I want to show you how the prophets constantly use this understanding how after the patriarchs abraham isaac and with jacob that birthright blessing was split off into the into amongst the 12 and went off and did very specific things which now at the end of the age as we come together we will see you know as always in tremendous hindsight but i do want to say something about the number two two means duality two means separation this is the whole point of, that is embedded into this concept of the letter two. 
And even let me say, this is how Hebrew is so precise, the word for um, 12, because we know that there were 12 tribes, so all Israel is pulling from this seed line of these 12 tribes that has gone into all the earth and has created the fullness of the Gentiles. And even in the Hebrew, the word is made up of the word for two and the word for 10. So even in the Hebrew, it's not, they don't have a number, like a word, one word for the number 12. This it's you have 10 and then you add two to it. You have two that makes mathematically 12, which right there, you have 10 and you have two. You have, this is the whole concept, the Northern Kingdom, the Southern Kingdom, the birthright in those that carry the blessing. So what I want to just do, let's just start with these. In the New Testament, all right, if you don't think that the writers of the New Testament, John the Revelator, or if it's John the Essene, in my opinion, understands this and talks about it very specifically in this whole chapter, which people should read, which is not a heavily preached chapter because it's, unless you have this understanding, you don't get it. So it's John 10, 1 through 42. But right in there, in those verses, it talks about how there are two flocks. He has other sheep. This way, John is not confused. He is, he's building on the same legacy, the same understanding, the same archetypal parabolic language that all the prophets did. So read. I'm not going to go and read each of these and flush them out. I'm just going to give you a, a, a cliff note brief overview. And truly, this should be your homework. It is such a blessing. So read about the two flocks. All right, that is exactly one of the ways parabolically that they are described. Then you have, most common is the two houses. This is fundamental. Whenever you read your Old Testament, it's all over the place. And once you see it, you'll never stop seeing it. So I'm quoting a lot Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. They were three of the major prophets who were prophesying to both houses. Now, like Amos and Hosea, um, Elijah, some of those are more northern, northern kingdom prophets, you know, some more southern. But basically, those three are prophesying very specifically to the two houses, and it's all over the, their books once you see it. So in Isaiah 8.14, the prophet says, point blank, he says that both Israel and Judah will stumble and fall over the stone of Israel. See, we always want, even my, we always think, oh, Judah's the only one who stumbled over the stone of Israel. Well, no, according to uh, Isaiah, that is not true. Both houses. We are, we are stumbling tremendously today, Ephraimite, Gentile, Christian, because you're full of idols. You don't even understand today. The Gentile Jesus with a J is about as far removed in many aspects from the Jewish Messiah, the Davidic prince that Yeshua HaMashiach was, the Messiah of Joseph, all right? So both houses have stumbled and um, fallen over this, quote-unquote, the stone, who is a, is, a, is a code for the Mashiach of Israel. Now, in Jeremiah 31, 33, again, get familiar with these. Uh, it's a great verse, and it says in that the days are coming when Yahweh will cut a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. 
So we think that the new covenant is only, was only for the Christians, this new group that comes out of the Melohagoin. No, both houses will be renewed in their covenant uh, by the time this thing is wrapped up. And that has a lot to do with Zechariah and some of the uh, other prophecies related to that. So two house is huge. And I would suggest just doing a Google search or a, you know, a Bible study app. You must, everybody has them. Um, put in house of Judah, look at all of the, put in house of Ephraim. And I've said in many videos, Ephraim, the words used most of the time by the prophets, breaking down these two houses, usually is house of Joseph, house of Ephraim, um, house of Israel. Those are all words that will go to describe the northern kingdom or Samaria or sometimes just Ephraim alone. Um, those really words all reply, apply to the northern kingdom. Judah is usually referred to as the house of Judah or a lot of times and central to the story is the house of David or the inhabitants of Jerusalem. All right. And I just want to say one quick thing. This is how precise the word is. I mean, it amazes me. I was saying this. When the Northern Kingdom was exiled from the land, excommunicated, divorced, whatever, there were three in three waves. It didn't like happen all at once. It happened over a period of years. The first wave was um, the, North, the, the tribes up in the Northern part near Galilee of the land of Nepal, Nepal, I don't know, Nepalti, and Zebulon. They were the first to go into exile, followed by Reuben and Gad, and then finally down, you know, uh, Samaria went. But um, when Yeshua came, so I've been just, this is what's so interesting, you've, when he starts his ministry, if you read it, where he goes, he goes up to Northern Galilee. He starts his ministry in this exact tribal land, the tribe of Nepal. Nepotali and in Zebulon. So this is even in the restoration, he's starting again with the first that wave that was dispersed and he's working his way in salvation. I mean, I just think that's amazing. The word, like I said, is so precise. You can't make this stuff up. <laughs> it's not arbitrary. I mean, that's what I mean. Yeshua knew exactly what he was doing. All right. He went to these scenes. He, says he went to Nazareth, which is... Uh, if you study it, Nazareth was an, a northern Essene um, habitation area. Uh, a city, it was a camp. It was a place that the northern Essenes um, migrated to and from in the northern, in, in the northern kingdom area. All right. Now, let's keep going on here, though. But um, uh, in Jeremiah 31, 31, if I didn't say it, it talks very clearly about how two houses, both houses, it mentions right there in the verse, house of Israel and house of Joseph or house of Judah, will be coming into a new covenant. Now, the next one, Ezekiel, two nations it's referred to, all right? Again, over and over, two nations, two kingdoms. But in this one, there's a very interesting nuance in Ezekiel 35.10. It talks about the prophet gives, Ezekiel gives a prophecy against Mount Seir. See, now this is what I say, you really... It doesn't behoove you if you want understanding. If you're reading for wisdom and understanding, it does not behoove you to just gloss over these, like, oh, Mount Seir, like, okay, whatever. It's some old mountain, the old, you know, Old Testament. And it's, no, you got, it's an archetype. 
It's loaded with sowed level understanding. So the Edomites is a word called, the Edomites are from Esau. That's that bloodline. Esau, we know, I told you before, in the deep sowed levels is a code word for the demonic side, or let's just call it the carnal, the worldly, those who are interested in the things of this world and do not want the spiritual inheritance. That's not what they're living for. That's what Esau's problem was, all right? So it always, people, the, the carnal, the lustful, this is why Edomites and Esau, there's, there's a lot packed into that archetype, all right? But they, it says that they harbor uh, in Seir, Mount Seir, actually, is because Seir was the capital of the, the kingdom of Edom that was, you know, birthed all of all the, the line of Esau. So this is, there's an ancient hatred that the Edomites are finally going to pay for. It's going to be their undoing in the end because they will not give up this ancient hatred, which stems from the birthright blessing. You know, they won't, you know, they can come back into covenant. They're part of the, the many couple of different ways. They're part of the Abrahamic uh, bloodline. They are part of, they can come in through the door of Yeshua. They could come in by just living in peace with their brother and following their brother Esau back to, I mean, um, Judah back to Torah. So it, it's, there's plenty of opportunity there. But the point is, it is because of this ancient hatred and because they gloated when both houses were, were um, expelled from the land. The, the, the Edomites were known for extremely, you know, uh, their jealousy, their hatred, their glee at the misfortunes that had happened to um, their cousins, basically. All right? So that's sort of what's tied into this one, the two nations. Now, we can go down to the two chosen families. And again, you have to look at different translations, but I like the way trans family, because again, these are seeds, seed lines of offspring that create clans, create families, create nations, create ethnoses of people. It's very important to follow these concepts. So you have two uh, chosen families in Jeremiah 33, 24, it, it says specifically, all right, let me just do this. In Jeremiah 33, you should read that whole chapter. It's just all over. Uh, the two houses are being addressed. The prophet keeps saying uh, prophecy to both houses. In, in Jeremiah 7, starting here in 7, in 14, and in 24, in one chapter, makes totally clear. You read it for yourself, references to the two chosen families or kingdoms. Uh, in Jeremiah 33, in, in 14 is where it uses in one translation this word families. All right. And the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, these are family. These are brothers. All right. That go on in, in, with their clans and go on and make great peoples. All right. But the prophet, again, is not at all confused, and he knows exactly who he's trying to talk to and what message he has for them. Now, <laughs> this one I love, uh, this is Ezekiel 23, 1 through 4. And listen, uh, like I say, much of the Bible is, is written at an adult level. This is one of those chapters. You wouldn't teach this one in your Sunday school. It's very graphic. It's actually 
I mean, it's very graphic, and rightly so. But these, these adulterous, uh, one word would be backslidden, but really we're talking these adulterous sisters who just go off and prostitute themselves, very sharp, uh, deeply loaded, sewed level understandings. But let me say this. The two sisters are named Ola and Olaba, something like that, all right? Ola, it says right there, is Samaria. And I told you that Samaria is a code word for the Northern Kingdom. See, you got that. Olaba is Jerusalem. Now, what's interesting in those, when I looked at it in those names, every name has a meaning. What's interesting in the meaning of these names, Ohala means her own tent. Now, we're talking, the, the analogy is making them into sisters, right? It's a, so it's a feminine personification. And Ola is, is, is she sins in her own tent. Remember, it says that every man did was right in his own eyes. This is such an interesting concept that I saw in here. But let me give you the other one. Uh, Ohalaba is, which is Jerusalem, which will tell you it's in the southern kingdom. And it's related to the fact that she is a tent shrine. Um, okay, so in other words, there's two levels of meaning here that I want to bring out in this. One is, remember in Joshua, the famous verse, choose you this day who you will serve. Now, Joshua, an archetype for Yeshua, the message is still the same. What master will you serve? If it's the Baals, then serve the Baals. If you want to serve Yahweh, all right, the, who is the Yahweh Elohim of your fathers, the patriarchs. And by implication, Joshua is saying, look, at not just Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, which are, you know, the patriarchs, but we're going way back to Adam. This birthright blessing that, that's being carried forward here is from Adam through Enoch, through Shem, uh, or through Noah, recovenant with Noah, through Shem to Abraham. All right, and very important. And then Abraham is called the father of all those that believe. So it's very important because when the Northern Kingdom really... Um, sinned in the sense that they each made up, they became themselves. And I think this is really, I'm beginning to understand what idolatry and all these things is, like a God to themselves. They were going to make up their own rules. They were not following Torah. So this is, gets into this whole Luciferian concept of two ways. You can either keep Torah or you do the Luciferian way, which is do as thou wilt. And the Northern Kingdom became very guilty of that. They did not want to follow Torah. They did not want to keep the covenants. They didn't want to go south to the temple for the three feasts. They did not, you know, all these things. And for reasons, whatever. But the point is, and then even though in Jerusalem they had the temple, they had, they became a prostitute to the nations. You could buy their services for any amount of money. They were you know, bribery and extortion and um, selling, you know, by the time Yeshua came and he had turned over the tables because they're just selling, you know, like, like you can spiritually sell, like you can put a price on these incredible spiritual blessings that are happening, the forgiveness and the atonement and these things. So both sisters, it's really interesting in their inside spirituality, uh, got very corrupt for different kind of reasons. So then we go into the two olive branches. Now, this is, again, the olive trees, the olive branches. Uh, this is an important piece, or olive trees. But this is where it gets into the, onto that one is wild, the wild branches, the wild olive tree. 
is the Northern Kingdom. All right. They were sent off the land. And this is an interesting, I have this point out if I can find. When a plant is uprooted from its native soil and is transplanted somewhere, it becomes a wild planting. So this is why these, because they were uprooted from their natural, where they were supposed to bloom and put, and they went somewhere else, they became a wild uh, branch, a wild tree, a wild vine. Meanwhile, Judah is the cultivated one. They always stayed in the house. They never, uh, even though they were uprooted from the land in the 70 years, uh, they came back to the land until they were totally exiled in 70 AD. But they're the cultivated tree or branch. And then it talks about in, um, so in Zechariah 4, the important part is in Zechariah 4, it talks specifically about these two olive branches. Well, if you understand, we're talking about the two houses that are before the Lord, always, right? That is what it's talking about. Then in Jeremiah um, or 11, in 16 through 17, he goes on more the prophet to flush it out. And he talks about that these two, the one wild and the one cultivated, this is the house of Israel and it's the house of Judah. All right, so there's no misunderstanding if you just ha read it in its context. The two sticks. This is a great one. Um, read Ezekiel 37, 15 through 28. Uh, this is where he's telling prophetically he said that the father will, he will reunite these two houses under one king with one shepherd. That's so interesting. See, they, this is where I'm just saying, they know these different Mashiach um, incarnations, all right? The one king would be Messiah ben David, obviously. Shepherd would be Messiah ben Joseph. Messiah ben Joseph, of course, the archetype for the nations that have the blessing. He is the bread to sustain them during that tremendous time of famine, all right, where there is no temple, there is no clear teaching coming out of Jerusalem, there is no priesthood or Levites or scribes, all right? Judah is a remnant, exiled remnant in the world, and praise their Hashem, they are keeping it together in the house, uh, the, the writings, because that was part of their birthright. They are to be the scribal house. And... Um, they have done that, in my opinion, very well. So you have these two sticks, that they will become one nation again with one king. The reunification of the whole house of Israel. Now, you go next into the two witnesses. Again, we're back in the New Testament, back up here in Revelation 11. The two lampstands, which you're told, are the two olive trees. Again, whoever wrote Revelation, not confused totally tracking with all the same archetypes. So these two lampstands and these two olive trees um, are on either side of one menorah. Now, this is a really important because the menorah, as I said, one thing you have fundamentally that these prophets totally understood, besides this, they understood the tree of life. The menorah is an archetype. It's just a pictograph done in a, in a sculpted way of the tree of life, all right? And, and the branches, the, the sephirith coming out, giving light, giving oil, giving wisdom, understanding. But on either side of them, you have these two olive trees. 
All right. So this is known and both of them. And then I talked about how there are two branches that are tapped into this, um, that get their oil and their light from this menorah. Okay. It's so interesting. All the archetype, it fits. So there's two branches. There is two olive trees that have branches that, that tap into the oil that is in the menorah. I love it. Can't make it up. All right. Uh, then we have down here the two advents. Okay, again, they're not confused. Hebrews 9.28. Read it again if you haven't read it in a while. There are two advents of Mashiach. One to take away sins. The second one is to bring salvation. Well, in that sense, we're not talking about the salvation that was rent through, you know, uh, the Messiah who took away sins. We're talking about a resurrection. We're talking about the final, um, there will be a final salvation, uh, a reunification and a salvation that will actually, at its culmination, and this is what it's called, the standing up, where these, the faithful, whoever the elect, the remnant, or what, the, the believers that is in all Israel will receive a new body and um, an eternal life. They will receive lachem, lachem, which is the life of Mashiach life in them, which will enable them for eternal life. So that is what is promised in, 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 the, in the two um, incarnations of Mashiach, culminating in this standing up, we Christian would call it a resurrection. All right, and then you have uh, the two cherubim. Okay, now this is, this is a very so level understanding because actually the cher two cherubim, put on either side of, on top of the ark, facing each other. They're put on the ark of the covenant. But Yahweh says that this is where he will meet with the two houses. Again, it's the concept of the menorah that's in the center of the two olive trees, these two cherubim facing each other. Yahweh will meet them in the middle. That's exactly what he says. So I just wanted to quickly uh, do that, but I want to uh, show you these. Go and read these. I want to go over in first, go back to First John for a second, now that I've established this. In, in, in John chapter 10, he talks about here, he talks about two sheepfolds, all right? This is like two flocks. That, then it says that Yahweh is the gate, all right, for these sheep these two different sheepfolds but the thing when you understand the tree of life this is what's even more interesting because it says after the original sin there was the two angels with flaming swords were put in charge of at the opening of the gate of the tree of life so nobody none of the descendants or seed of this union or the progressive could get up could get um the way was closed to the tree of life, all right? Uh, no one could have this eternal life again at that point, all right? And then he said this, this kind of sets into wheels the whole motion of redemption, the 6,000 years of redemptive history, the six days that is talked about. But this is the, the sephirth of Yesod, which is so interesting. In, and I've started to unpack a little bit of Yesod. It's a very, very tricky business, uh, the Sod level that is in there. But Yesod is equated with the uh, 
the sexual organ, both men and women. And this is interesting because where do you birth souls out of? I mean, it says souls are formed in the womb, all right? After, a co after um, copulation, the soul, the, the seed, the new seed. This is, again, the concept of duality. We have duality, two, 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 two. But number three expresses a unity when they come together. And what do they produce? They produce a new seed, a new soul, a new something. All right. So the point is, as as um as these when the gate is opened again to the believer who can bring down now holy souls who can also our offspring become part of this covenant. There's a lot that's packed into um, these understandings, but it is contrasted. It talks and continue out of this verse with the hired hands that the hired hands or the hirelings or the that they flee they they're not uh that they are um they're false they're called false shepherds false leaders they devour the people there's a lot of negativity a lot of the different problems, a lot of places of these hired hands well let me tell you who this is see when you understand the bloodlines and everything and what's going on uh the hired hands refers Okay, so the gods of the nations are over the mixed multitude, this um, burgeoning seed that is becoming the mellow hagoyim, the, the fullness of the Gentiles. And the shepherds over them, because think of it, yo, this is what Satan was doing with Yeshua in the temptation you know, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth. I will give you all the wealth. I'll give you any, because it's all mine. These people give their own people power. See, this is a part, this is what's got to come out. These elitists, these spiritual kings of the earth, and there's a lot of them, the Nephilim, whatever. There's, there's some higher ordered beings among us, but they give their positions of power to their own. This is the point, all right? And we need to get out from that. Our unification means that our king is coming because it can't happen until we are reunified. That's all part of the um, part of built into the promises. Um, these until we become unified. So in other words, for us to get the victory over these 70 nations, the gods of the nations, uh, we have to put, this is why he says at the end that there will be one God, one king, you know, one shepherd over. And it will be the good shepherd. And this says that the sheep hear his voice. All right. And the voice of a stranger or hireling, they won't hear. There's always been a strong remnant in the earth who, who hear the deep embedded promises in the blessing birthright. Um, now in Isaiah 9, 6, it talks about, see, this is this good shepherd. This is what I'm saying. The the Jesus of the Gentiles, you guys, I mean, he's just not big enough. He's not who he really is. You don't have the understanding. This is, this is Hashem. This is the name. This is yod he the Tetragrammaton. This is Zer on pin. This is the Vav in the name, all right? This is the wonderful counselor, the Prince of Peace, the everlasting Father. This is the fullness of the seven spirits, the fullness of the Godhead that is um, ultimately um, going to rule and reign over all the nations.
all right, with the elect remnant from these both groups, both houses. So Joseph, he's the archetype of the bread that he feeds the nations during the two days of the, they call the footsteps of the Mashiach, all right, until the return of the king. One of another little interesting tidbit is in says Isaiah 9.21, it talks about, you know, Yeshua said it. He said, hey, the history going forward these two days is going to be brother against brother, not much different than it was before. If you read your Old Testament, Isaiah 9.21 talks about how Ephraim and Manasseh, the northern kingdom, will war. Together they shall um, take a stand against their brother Judah. And that's been going on. <laughs> and that's something we have to get eyes wide open so we stop doing that because a house divided can't stand. And the reason I'm so hepped on this right now is because I am trying to equip the elect with enough understanding so that as we come into the rest of all, restoration of all things, the very next step is going to be disclosure um, the wars of Gog and Magog, these spirits coming out into the open and we will be fighting, believe me, not each other. We are going to rule, we are going to be putting down the rebellious, wicked, wicked angels, wicked men, uh, <laughs> everything there. So there's in, in wicked entities, there's a lot at stake here. So you really need to understand, get your get wisdom and get understanding so that you can stand and having done all you can stand in the day of battle. So, and again, to reiterate in John 10, 14, the promise is that there will be one flock and one shepherd who is the son of God. Now he has many different titles, you know, son of man, son of, but son of God is a code word for different, the sephirth of different, which is the hub of the wheel of the Godhead of Zerunkin. There's no accident here. Our prophets uh, would operate on an extremely high level of wisdom and understanding. And I behoove any elect that we can have the same because the Spirit has been poured out on all flesh. Praise Hashem. I'll see you in the next video. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Maybe you have some questions or would like to share your thoughts. Liz would love to chat with you about it, so head on over to the website, theelectlife.org. That's one word, theelectlife.org. Or if you prefer, you can leave your comments on the Liz Begier YouTube channel. And if you're over on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell so you won't miss out on anything new. Tune in next week as Liz brings out more on the mysteries that matter and more food for the soul. Thanks for tuning in. Shalom.